on the topic of prayer, it's really exciting when you begin to dig in and look at some of the different things that, uh, that, you, that are very familiar to you, and yet uh, so encouraging uh, when, you, when you really begin to look at it in, a, in the way or in the light of um, bringing a message. So I'd like to start, before we actually get going here, I'd like to start with Matthew 6. If you'll turn there, Matthew 6. <clears throat> Look at verses 5 and 6. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen. And this is, I think, a key thought here. When uh, And it goes back to motives. It goes back to our heart. It goes back to who we are, uh, that we love to pray. The scripture says the hypocrites love to uh, stand in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Great prayer. That's your reward. You really know how to pray. Have you ever heard told anybody that? Boy, you really know how to pray. If their heart is in the wrong place, then that's their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So let's, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this time that we can Look into your word that we can spend this time uh, discovering just some very basic, simple insights from your scriptures that would help us to uh, participate more uh, freely and eagerly in, the, in this area of prayer and a little more knowledgeable in the area of prayer. And I just pray that you would just encourage our hearts, help us to be um, eager to obey you when you speak to us, when you show us things that we wouldn't argue or debate you, but we would just simply obey you. Yes, Lord. And so we ask you to accomplish your will today, and you knew before the foundation of the world who would be here in this room and who would be listening to this message. And so we pray that you would prepare our hearts and help us to be uh, eager to get into your word and study your word as we... Uh, uh, continue the journey of following you completely as your disciples. We love you, Father, and thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So it is good to see all of you today. And uh, as I said, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, I, I, I enjoy doing a message like this. I think it's going to be fun. I do, if I say something um, and I have thought about this a lot. If I say something that maybe some of us are guilty of, like when we pray publicly, I don't want that to inhibit or 
restrict us or make us feel self-conscious or anything like that because we're all guilty of some of the same things I'm going to point out, okay? So we're all, we're all very guilty of that. So I don't want you to sit back and say, well, I don't think I can even pray out loud anymore, you know? So just don't think like that. I'm giving you a heads up in advance, but uh, because I, I may do it before the day is over, you know, the very thing that we warn about. So it's important. But um, uh, again, there are so many people that are going through trials. Aaron was speaking of the hurricane this morning. And of course, the Lawless family has been praying and, and so much has happened in their family's lives with, uh, with ants. I mean, have you ever dealt with fire ants in your refrigerator before? Um, you know, just and those things are just terrible, terrible ants and uh, and then to have your water uh, in your house and to have no electricity for days and the the heat comes after the storm and it's just I mean that is a dreadful trial for folks to be going through and it you live on the coast you just better be prepared because if you live close enough to the coast in your lifetime you live there long enough you will be you will be dealing with um some issues like that with these storms. And so, so many difficult situations just in, the, in that particular realm of the areas of storms. And then, of course, the folks that are so sick. We, everywhere we go, everyone we talk to, uh, at the store, you say, well, where's so-and-so? I hadn't seen them in a while. Oh, they, they've been battling COVID in their house. The wife had it. The husband now had it. I've never, since this whole thing started, we personally know of more people that have it or have had it or dealing with it this time around than the first time around. And I've actually personally heard of more people dying that we know about and maybe not know personally, but in our circle uh, know more people that have died this time around. So there's so much going on in the area of <clears throat> just sickness. And, and of course, we've all been praying. We've all been agonizing, praying for Jason Ritchie. And we encourage everything. My wife and I for years have said, as long as there's breath, there's hope. So never give up. Doesn't matter what anybody's saying. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And just continue to pray for that uh, him, pray for the the doctors need wisdom. The nurses need wisdom. The family needs encouragement. They need strength. And so many things are happening in, in that particular area. And then you take the, um, you take the situation with our, our country, our nation. Uh, just in the last two weeks at this church, I've had three men just very firmly tell me, just almost through gritted teeth, how it troubles them the way things have gone in Afghanistan. I mean, it's just, they, they've communicated, it's really, really hard for me to bear seeing the way this has happened and leaving Americans over there and things like that. And so the turmoil and TIFA and all the different things in America that are just so troubling. I mean, how many times have you said or made this statement that our grandkids will not experience the America that we were raised in. I mean, how many have we, how many times have we said that? 
And that it, within the last 24, 48 hours, that's, that's come out of our mouths. So, so there is so much going on. And so some people sometimes ask, say, well, how does a preacher determine what to preach on? Well, I think it's different for everybody. Everybody gets, a, I mean, it's different for everybody. Did y'all know that there's a, a, used to be, it used to be a, actually a hard copy. And Amy, you remember, Pulpit Helps. Remember those things coming through the mail? And it's a little like a newspaper. And they would have a whole section in Pulpit Helps with just starter sermons. I mean, just four-point outlines, five-point outlines. So if you're struggling and you need some thoughts, some help, you can just pull it, look at that and say, oh, that looks like a good outline. Now I'll develop it or whatever, you know. So, I mean, those things are out there. And thankfully, I hadn't had to use that much, but uh, it's, uh, it's there. So, you know, I, a lot of, lot of what we do is how does the Lord impress? I mean, what's the Lord impressing on us? And and as we've communicated this last two weeks about Jason Ritchie and about all the different things going on, you know, the Lord just kept saying, it's about prayer. It needs to be about prayer. We need to learn more about prayer. So let me just, let me just say about to be seen of men, just that thought. Folks, we need to be, and again, we could laugh about it and say, well, I just, that's just me. But when we pray, please, I've been in a lot of prayer meetings over these years. I've been in, a, I've heard a lot of Christians pray. But it seems like to me sometimes we forget we really need to be focusing on talking to God, not talking to the people who are listening to you prayer. Does that make, I mean, it's hard because you've got people right there, you know, you're hearing them, amen, and praise God, and you know, all that. And it's hard, but we're, we should be focusing on, on God and our communication with God and not what people are thinking about how we're praying. And I know that I've, I've personally gotten extremely nervous at times, when years ago especially, when I'd be called on to pray, I would just almost be breathless. I mean, I'd almost have to gasp and take a breath because I'd be thinking, you know, <gasps> you know, I mean, well, I mean, people are listening to you pray. And this is about communicating with God. And now, and, and again, I said I'd say some things that are funny, but if you think about it, and again, please y'all be patient with each other, but if, if you think about it, Think about sometime. Now, Lord, we're praying for brother so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, he just checked in the hospital this afternoon. And, uh, you know, the, the doctors are, are working on him right now. And, um, and we, we really need uh, your help here. And, I mean, think about, are we telling God, God, you went to sleep at the wheel, and you didn't know he just checked in the hospital? <laughs> You didn't know that the doctors are leaning over and working on him at that moment. I mean, I, I think sometimes we just we're talking more for the people around us than we are to God. So we need to really be careful as we think. You just need to just drown everybody out and everything and just really have a conversation with God like you would if you're sitting down under the oak tree in your backyard and nobody else was around. 
Because I think that's where in public prayer, sometimes it's hard to separate how we pray because we know so many people are listening to our every word. And so that's just a little something that I've seen over the years. Not a big deal, but I think we need to be aware that our communication is not to be, we're not to be seen of men. This is not the point. I'm not to be, you know, a beautiful flowery prayer so that everybody will pat me on the back and say, you really are in touch with God. You know, that if you get that, you've got your reward, if that's your heart. Now, another thing initially I want us to think about as we're going through this and, and, and entertaining these thoughts, have you ever thought, and there's so many different interpretations about prayer and how, you know, what prayer is and, and how I've heard so many different teachings, but have you ever thought about just, you just take any major event, and let's just take the Civil War. Now, I believe you can, you can find records in history of godly people in the North and godly people in the South praying for God's power to give them the victory in a battle. You're the historian, okay, in the group, I would say, John. Oh, one of them. Okay, I don't want to see. But I mean, if you look it up, I think you'll, you can find some prayers. And I did find an interesting prayer, the, the unknown soldier, the Confederate soldier that prayed. It was a very powerful prayer. But they were, they were praying both sides, enemies fighting, divided, and praying for victory in the battle to the same God. And so we need to be careful I think in, you could take, and I know that this, some of you are going to say, oh, I don't believe that. What about in some of the Supreme Court cases that enter, the Supreme Court's looking at, and they haven't rendered a judgment yet, and you've got people on both sides, and I believe there can be Christians on both sides of the issue, and they're both praying for their side to win. And so here's, here's God and both sides of an issue are praying that their side will win. In churches, I am confident that there are sincere, genuine believers that have an opinion about one thing in the church and uh, somebody else sincere, born again, child of God, and they've got a different view, a different opinion, I mean, if you don't believe it, just start discussing some of the doctrines. Free will and Calvinism would be a good start. And so you pray, and they're praying that their side, their issue. And you say, but I've got Scripture. So do they. They use their Scripture, and, and we'll find out in heaven one day, I believe it'll all be sorted out and we'll have all of eternity to know exactly how all these things are interpreted. But here on earth, you've got folks praying for one thing in the church and somebody else praying for something else on an issue 
and, and they're praying that, that somehow God will move on their behalf in these issues. And so the, the point is looking at here is God, sovereign God, and he's having all these folks praying that their ideas and their view will prevail. It's kind of amazing, I think, that most of us always think we're right. I don't ever go to prayer or go into, you know, or go into a situation, you know, thinking I'm, I mean, I can't say you don't ever, but, you know, we just are, are we just really feel like most time we're right. And so I've studied it out. I've prayed about it. This has been what I've believed my whole life. And I'm right. I mean, on free will, there's been a lot of people try to change my mind on that, but I've just not given into that. And I, this is how I go to the grave, believing that man has a free will. Man has a choice. And I think, I think it starts in, in Genesis when God gave Adam and Eve a choice. And so, but I know that those that disagree with that doctrine, they, they have all their scriptures lined up and you can do, you know, match scripture for scripture. And they believe it so strongly that it, it's sad but it divides churches over just certain doctrines. And it's, it's heartbreaking. And so, I am just thankful that our sovereign, all-knowing Heavenly Father is in full and complete charge of everything. And that that, it, that we're not in charge. We're not in the driver's seat as we're all praying. And even in a group like this, we could all be praying about an issue. And you might be surprised at how many different views we all would have. And we're all going to the same God and saying, you know, consider this, Lord. So I'm just thankful that he's not like a puppet on a string that when you get enough gathered together on your side, that he's, you know, you pull his string and he acts. But if you don't have enough on this side, he doesn't act. I'm just glad he is God. I am glad that he is sovereign and he is all-knowing and he knows his will for every situation. And we do have a tendency from time to time to get in the way with our carnal human viewpoints about things. Now, at this point in the message, I want to personally think. And, I, and again, anytime you start naming names, you always leave people out. So may I just preface by saying, I know I can leave, I've left some out. But I want to personally think for years, I want to say this, express our gratitude for those who have prayed for us and for our church over the many years. I can remember, I've told you about Brother Skip Smith's dad, Pop Smith, and he was a little small frame man, had snow white hair, it flipped up, hair flipped up kind of in the back here, and... Um, and he faithfully prayed 
for us, our us, at 4.30 in the morning. And we literally, when he passed away, we literally felt the lack of prayer. We literally felt the lack of prayer. Pop Smith, special man, Dr. Brandon and Mrs. Brandon, both were praying people. They prayed. They prayed for our church. They prayed for us. And after Dr. Brandon went on to be with the Lord, Mrs. Brandon, who was, had to stay at home quite a bit from that point forward, she became a mighty prayer warrior. And she would ask us about names and families in the church going through trials or struggles, and she would call us up and say, on, basically on Saturdays, she would say, I'm praying for y'all. Do you have any updates or anything I need to know so I can pray? She prayed and prayed. And then when she went to heaven, we felt, we felt that emptiness and that void. The ladies, you've heard me mention the prayer chapel out here. Before this building existed, there was a little building, a little, uh, just a small little building. Had a sofa and had carpet and had, you know, a stand with a, a big Bible on it. And at 5.30 in the morning, when we came here in 1986, there were probably a half a dozen or more ladies meeting at 5.30 a.m. praying for our church. And you know what one of the main prayers that they prayed and we, Linda and I attended? They prayed that the men of the church would become leaders and not followers. And do you know that prayer got answered? At that time, there were ladies, women teaching mixed classes of men and women and didn't think a thing about it, but they just, um, they prayed. God, we want our husbands, our men to be leaders. Leaders in the home. You had Mrs. Maples. Mrs. Jones. Such a prayer warrior. Mrs. Nash. A widow. Couldn't read or write. One of the sweetest ladies. But she, she prayed for us. Norma Wells, and so many others, the Straw Halls. <clears throat> With the death of many of those who have prayed for me and my wife, we often ask, who's going to pick up the mantle? Who's going to pick up the torch and continue that, that faithful, dependable praying for, for the church? Who's going to do that? These have all gone there. Not all, but so many have gone and they're, they're in heaven. Who's going to be the one that faithfully, dependably prays for the church, prays for the, uh, for the pastors, prays for the teachers? Who's going to pick that up? Who's going to be the next prayer warrior? Well, I know this, these folks right here have really been praying, Bill and Nina and family. 
Carolyn Rod Poole, Dick and Valerie Bogner, the Pheasantons, and so many others have really begun praying. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, you heard me mention this a few weeks ago, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started getting texts every Saturday from one of our missionaries, and he's been a missionary, probably, I think, the longest supported missionary here at North Belt, over 25 years. Dick Bauckham, every Saturday, faithfully. And I, if I could read even the one he sent yesterday, it's the most powerful, these thoughts. He, he's, he's getting some of the thoughts from other people's writings and things, but he sends it and he says, just want you to know my wife and I are praying for you and for the church on Saturday. And so just out of nowhere, I mean, he hadn't been doing that for 25 years. He hadn't been doing that for the time we've been supporting him. But just recently, he started saying, I'm praying for y'all. And so it is so exciting and comforting to know that people are spending time in prayer versus people that are constantly sowing seeds of discord. And so you've got prayer warriors that are praying and humbling themselves and falling on their face and agonizing in prayer. And then you've got some that are gossiping and spreading lies and rumors and bad stuff, and, and it's just not healthy. And so I know which group I want to be associated with, and I know which group I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the prayer warriors. I want to be a part of the people that are going to God with the issues and the things. And um, so I just want to make a very simple outline, just a, just a, a few observations about prayer. Number one, Roman numeral one, praying for others. Praying for others. And I'm going to just, you know, say praying for someone to change. I'm thinking of a lot of different ways you could apply this, but think about husbands and wives. Think about husbands and wives, thinking about change. Praying for others that they will change. And it could be, and you could just use that in any application. So we have a choice as believers. We have a choice, and, and I think it's so clear. And I've seen it. I've, I've personally experienced it. We can attempt and do our best to change others in our strength, in our own self-efforts. We, we can do, I mean, I think a husband and wife, you know, I don't want to be too, you know, too transparent, but early on, I w I've admitted and I've said, I, I've really, I really hammered my wife in our early days of marriage, asking for change in certain areas. And the day, and I can't tell you exactly when it was, but the day that God freed me from trying to change her and conform to what I thought she should be, that was one of the most freeing days of my Christian experience. So we have a choice. We can try to change others and we can put pressure on them and we can criticize them and we can attack them and we can talk to others about them and we can even threaten them 
And I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, I, you know, I've never held back much. One of the threats that church members use is, if this doesn't change, I'm going to leave the church. Folks, I just have to remind you, and I learned this a long time ago, this is God's church, not my church. So if God leads you away, praise God. Because He led you here, you said, and if He's leading you away, that's God's will, and that's what we all want. But don't threaten people with the threat that I'm going to leave. Because you're not hurting anyone but yourself, and you're surely not helping the situation by threatening. So it's really important that we understand this is God's church. He's the one that causes the increase. He's the one that produces all the fruit. It's His fruit. It's God's church. And the day that I learned that way back a long time ago, that was a very comforting feeling. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like Ron Dunn. You know, I never will forget. He was agonizing in, in his study and he was praying and he was telling, he told this in seminary when we were there and he said he was praying and crying out to God. He said, God, I just got, things are going wrong and things are not good. And, you know, what, what are we going to do here? And, and uh, what are we going to do uh, about my church here? And, and the Lord says, it's not your church, it's my church. It's not your church, it's my church. So you let me handle my church. I'll take care of my church. And so it's really freeing. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. It's his church. This is, that's, why, that's why that's out on that sign. That's been there for 30 plus years. It's God's church. I know Anita Smith one time they visited here and they said, well, if this is God's church, then what is our church? Oh, well, I mean, it means the church belongs to God, not just North Belt. But so it's important that we've got a choice. We can try to pressure people into change or we can go to prayer for change. And that would be my suggestion. I think that's a scriptural suggestion. And you know what I've learned over a long lifetime of uh, walking with God now? God can do a lot better job at changing someone than I can. His, his change methods work wonders. And he knows exactly how to do it. In a marriage between a husband and wife, they try to change each other. And there's no doubt, I think, in a marriage, there should be good, civil, loving, caring communication and that's always beneficial to communicate with each other about some things that you like and things you don't like. That's okay. But you don't become carnal. You don't get in the flesh over it. But when there doesn't seem to be much change, and you said, well, I keep, I've told them, you know, about a hundred times about this, and I just don't seem, there's just no change. That's when you, if you really let God make the changes and turn it over to God... I think you'll see more results with God doing the work in their lives than, than what we try to produce. And He's so capable. I mean, listen, if you, just, if you could just imagine all the ways God has changed people through history. How He's changed their heart, changed their, 
their direction. And it's, and it's all about God making the changes. And so it's important. There are a couple of verses I want to I read to you. Um, look in your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians 1. Philippians 1. This is about God making changes. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he which is able to begin, uh, begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God, you know, and a lot of people don't get that message. They're not told that when you say yes to Jesus and you get saved, he starts doing that work of conforming, that he's conforming us, that Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God starts that work of conforming us to the very image of Christ. He is making changes in all of us if, if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so our attempts to pressure people really does more harm than good in a person's life, in the life of the body. We can actually by our human efforts and our own self-effort and our, our human carnal way of doing things, we can actually get in the way of God. And we can do often do more harm at the time than good with our natural carnal attempts to change others. I, I've taught this for years. I believe it with all my heart. But when a wife nags a husband about change and, and nags a husband about pressure and putting pressure on him. I just, this is what I envision about my father in heaven. I just see him folding his arms and saying, okay, you go for it. You just go ahead and see how you can change him. But when we get out of the way and we stop trying to be the vessel to change people, then God is really freed up to do a great work in the person's heart. And we, we are out of the way, and then God gets all the glory, and God, we can just, it's really a, an important time for us to really trust God. If you're in a situation, marriage, or in relationships, or in church, and you just see that there ought to be some change, I would encourage you, I implore you, to go to God the Father in prayer. Go to God in your closet and pray and see the results that God is very capable of bringing about. And, so, and listen, I'll just tell you, a lot of times it doesn't happen fast. A lot of times it doesn't happen fast. We, we're an impatient, we're a microwave generation. We want everything right now. It may take years for God to make those changes in another person's life. But if you've given it to God, you can count on this fact. God is at work. If they're a believer, God's at work in their heart and their life, and he's, he's about change in them. Number two, the benefits of prayer. The benefits of prayer. I've thought about all these trials that people are having, the sickness, 
the hurricanes, all the different things. But you know what it has done? You say, well, this is terrible, all this stuff. I'll tell you what it's done. It has caused the body of Christ to go to prayer more than any time that I can remember in a long, long time. Crisis, if we respond properly to crisis, it will drive us to our knees and to prayer. And so God, God allows that. Uh, and think about this, John 15, 15, henceforth I call you not servants, but in that same section there, it says, but I call you friends. God longs for our fellowship and our time with Him. Now, I'm not, I can't explain the sovereignty of God. I, don't, I can't explain all the ways that God's working things out. But it would not beyond, be beyond what I think God, <clears throat> He allows whatever comes. We, we agree that He allowed it to come. And I can't ever a lot of times figure out why. Why did this crisis happen in this family's life? But I'll just tell you, think about all the people that are having fellowship and communing with God the Father over these tragedies, these things that are going on in the lives of people. There are more people praying, more people on their knees, more people during the day, in the night. It doesn't matter. They're waking up thinking about praying for Jason. They're going to bed thinking about praying for Jason. They pray. We pray for Nina. We pray for Rob Poole. We pray for little Evan. We pray. We pray for people. We pray for those in the, in the line of the storm. And those are over there. They don't have air conditioning. And we do. They don't have refrigeration. And we do. And by the way, our Linda's stepdad, Byron, he's 90. 90 years old, he was raised in the country, and he told us this, they had, didn't have uh, refrigeration early on. He said they could milk, get milk from a cow, put it in a cupboard with just a cloth front, and it would be good for several days without refrigeration. I'd never heard that. He said that they drank milk that would be two and three days old without a refrigerator. That's, that's free. That's a little extra there in case y'all are one. Well, go ahead, Bill. You do it and don't give it to Nina first, but you do it first and see how, how it works out. <clears throat> but I can tell you this. You, we ought to know this. God longs for His children to spend time with Him. And we get so distracted. I heard a man this week said, I can't wait. Football season's starting. I mean, there are so many distractions. There's so many things that get in our minds and get in the way of us spending time with God. And so, but God longs. He longs for His children to call upon Him and be totally 100% engaged with Him. He calls us friends. And our praying allows us to spend time with our Heavenly Father. We need to pray. Here are just a few thoughts of things that while we're praying for others, we can pray. We pray for grace. We can pray for grace. As we're praying for Jason, we, we pray not only for his healing, not only for him to be raised up, 
but we pray for ourselves for the for the grace to trust God in these trials. We pray for his strength to be in us as we serve him. We pray for faith. Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Pray for faith that we will believe him. And pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom that we could see things from his vantage point, from his viewpoint. Pray for wisdom. So pray for grace, pray for strength, pray for faith, pray for wisdom for yourself while you're spending this time in prayer. It's okay to pray for yourself that you could accept the things that God is allowing and permitting. Because listen, this is an emotional roller coaster on all of us. All of us are ragged with the, the good news, bad news, and all the things that are going on. And we need God's grace. We need that grace, that strength to be able to go through the day. You know, if we begin to ask God for wisdom, then we can... In fact, my wife was telling on the way in, she was referring to one of the Psalms, I think it was 57, I'm, I don't remember, but one of the Psalms and talking about the Lord, the transgressors, the ones that accused him and the ones that went against him and the ones that lied about him and the ones that eventually beat him and crucified him. And, uh, and if we follow him, then we should not, none of us should expect anything less. We should not expect anything less if we're following Christ. And so, as we, as we go through things, then we get a tiny glimpse. My wife was just encouraged. She said, this is just a tiny glimpse of what the Lord has been through. And then when, when our heart is grieved, and I mean, our human heart, and our human heart is grieved, can we imagine how grieved our Father's heart is over different things that are going on in the lives of people? The carnality side of it. And so it's just, and that's wisdom. That's beginning to see things from God's perspective. Oh, this hurts me. This is how I feel. And God, if I feel that way, it must be so much worse on you. I can't imagine how you feel because you've got the whole church around the whole world. And I can't imagine the hurt that you feel in your heart over your family. And so it just that's crying out for wisdom and getting wisdom from God. It's okay. Jesus in Luke 22, 42 prayed to remove this cup. It's okay for us to pray. Second uh, Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul prayed three times that the thorn in the flesh would be removed. It's okay to pray. That's all right to pray. But end it with, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Pray that it'll be removed. Pray that God will take it away. But nevertheless, not my will. And pray that you'll have the grace to accept His will. Whatever His will is. We don't know what His will is all the time. We've tried to find it in the Word of God, but, but it's important that we do pray according to God's will and that we begin to understand and get a grasp of what is the will of God. Let me turn. Some of you know exactly where I'm turning. 1 John 
5. Why don't you turn there real fast. 1 John chapter 5. I like to go back to um, verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath life uh, has a son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto thee or unto you that, you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, not in me, not in you, but in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. So we're going to have to get in touch with the will of God. You know, and listen, we have to be careful because we are so human. We can say, I believe this is the will of God, but it may very well not be the will of God. And we can convince ourselves and talk ourselves into something saying, if I want it bad enough, it's got to be the will of God. It may not be the will of God. But if we, that's the promise. If we ask anything of anything, and that's why when you get into some of these different interpretations of preaching and or, uh, that preachers preach about prayer, then they say, you know, just get two or three together to agree on something and that'll be your answer. It's going to have to be according to the will of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. So if we, and that's why we've got to be in the Word, thinking about the Word, meditating on the Word, letting the Word of God control our thoughts and control our direction, and, and be in tune with God's, speaking with God, spending time with God, and then we'll better, more likely, be able to pray according to the will of God. But pray that you can accept His grace. That you can see the benefits of, well, this trial has happened and it's a terrible trial. It's an awful trial and it's, people are suffering, but it's allowing a lot of people to spend a lot of time with God. A lot of folks are really spending time with God. And always remember, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, God, you've heard me say this from Dr. Blackaby, and I believe it with all my heart. It's like that train moving in a direction. God already has his will in motion. And can't you imagine now, just like I said about the Civil War and other things, can't you just imagine Christians praying to try to change things God's already got things going in motion and direction for His will. Our job is to agree with Him and get on board with Him. Get on board with His Word. Spend time with Him. And then I had this funny thought. To me, it was hilarious. Can you imagine what the world would look like if all of us got our prayers answered? In the affirmative. Can you imagine what the world would look like? I don't think it'd be the same. I, th I really think it would be more chaotic than it is. And I think the church would be in a lot bigger mess than we're in already. I'm not just talking about us, but I'm talking about the church in America, church in the world. Because 
I can tell you for the years and years, I've had discussions with Christians and they're saying, I've done this and I've been led to do this and this is the will of God. And you turn right around, you've got somebody else and they're saying, then this is the will of God. And somebody else is saying, I believe this is the will of God. And somebody and very few of them ever line up with Scripture. It's just that they want it so bad that they are convinced in their heart and mind that this is the will of God. So I'm just glad that God is sovereign, that He's not like a puppet, and we don't just get together in a group and start praying, and He starts moving and acting the way we tell Him to. Praise God. Now that leads me to another thought. Does prayer change God, or does prayer change me? And I believe prayer changes me. I don't believe it's possible if you're sincere, if you're genuine, you've been born again to spend time with holy, righteous, almighty, and all the names of God and all that. You, you, you can't tell me you can be in His presence for any length of time with a heart to seek Him, to know Him, and not be changed. So my belief on prayer is that prayer changes me more than it changes God. I just believe that I'm the one that benefits. I, I get changed. And then I begin to see things from His perspective. And I begin to follow Him. And I begin to let Him be the Lord and ruler and master of your life. And then you can begin to face things that you didn't choose, that you didn't want, that you would have never put in front of you, but they're there. And you can endure to the end because you've been with God. You've been in His presence. You've been with Him. You spent time with Him. And He's made some changes in your heart. He's so capable. So I don't believe that when we pray, I don't believe that we change God. I believe He changes me. And when we pray for others, we have a choice. We can try to pressure them into making the changes that we think they should make. Or we can go to prayer and we can actually ask God to change them and conform them to the image of Christ. Very simple, isn't it? I mean, that's not really, that's not deep. That's not too hard. It's very attainable. Just take your request to the Lord. And the benefits, we spend time. I mean, I hate the things that people are going through, but I can honestly say that we have spent more time praying than ever. And it's just, it's just been a wonderful experience for us to pray and be able to know that our heart is turned toward prayer. Praying according to God's will. And we're being changed moment by moment. And I want to conclude this one last thought. And if you take notes, you might want to write it down. This I did not read anywhere. I give God all the credit and all the glory. But I believe this. This is what I would say to sum up what I've said today here about prayer. You and I, you and I can accomplish more 
in our prayer closet than we could ever think about accomplishing on social media. I challenge you to put that stuff aside and go to prayer. Get in your closet and pray. Just spend time with God and see if you don't see some things happen in, in the lives of those you're praying for and in your own life personally. But we'll see who does it. We'll see who does it. We'll see who ch accepts the challenge. I won't know, but God knows. Because I'm confident this is the message he wanted for us today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that you're all sovereign, you're almighty, and that we can really spend some time with you if we choose to. So I pray that this message would encourage our hearts to spend more time with you in prayer, that we would develop a real close bond and relationship with you, and that you would make the necessary changes in all of us that need to be made to conform us to the very image of the Lord Jesus. And we do pray for those needs, the hurricane victims and the flood victims and all the ones that are suffering uh, there from the hurricane. We pray for those that are suffering from COVID. Father, there's so many, so many bedsides right now. People are just gasping for their last breath, and we pray that you would encourage. We pray specifically for Jason Ritchie. Lord, we, we, we know that you love him. We know that he's such a godly man. We know how you've used him mightily um, around the world. And so we, we selfishly beg you, Father, and for mercy for him to be healed and raised up and to continue that journey that he's been on uh, reaching the lost for Christ. Pray for his wife, Mary, and the others, family members, his mother, and others. Lord, I just pray that you just comfort them and, and help them to know your presence here today. And I pray, Father, that for our nation, uh, we know this is, we're just passing through, but we're here for now, and we just pray that you would do a great work in our nation and that you would help us to, to begin to see things that are important to you about country and uh, loyalty and different things that you'd want to teach us about how to live the Christian life in a government that seems to be anti-God in so many ways. So I pray, Father, that you would continue to work in our hearts and lives, teach us, and help us to have a heart for souls as you have a heart for souls, that we would pray continually for people to be saved and be born again before it's too late for them. We trust you now to accomplish your will and your way, and we pray that you take this message and apply it to our hearts that we might be stronger and more courageous to be obedient to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.